Welcome back to Confessions of a High Strung Woman. I'm Abby Walker, and as always, I am so excited to get to hang out with you for just a little bit today um, and to do what we do best, which is chat it up. We are going to chat it up about the life and adventures of a high-strung woman. And if you tuned into episode two, you know that this is actually the second part of that episode. Um, it was a little long, and so I thought I would split it up rather than being the woman who talks incessantly and has no clue. So um, we'll dive right in uh, to the second part of what I like to call the gentle and quiet spirit. Mm, no, episode. All right. So two very important things happened in my life that freed me from the heaviness of these particular expectations and pressures. Most of them that I heard and felt were from the women, the church ladies in my life. Um, I don't know what yours is, but there is absolutely hope. It's not just that you just have to ignore them and (laughs) wear noise canceling headphones all the time. Um, But the first is that I finally realized that the powerful source of pressure and expectation in my life, which was the church ladies in that season or whomever felt critical of my personality my spirit, or my particular life choices at the moment, I realized that they could just take their concerns straight to the good Lord himself. Can I get an amen? Like, I was not responsible for their reaction to my life. What I'm responsible for is my life. Their reaction is between them and Jesus. Now, despite the sheer panic that can still happen in my heart when I hear the hens cackling, you know, and the the gossip trail being set on fire, I can, in fact, trust Jesus with my reputation. Y'all, I can't even. You can trust him with your reputation. No matter what people misunderstand, accuse us of, or disapprove of, he is a big enough God to handle it. He is a big enough God to handle the church ladies. He's a big enough God to handle your mama or your aunts or your grandmothers or your boss or your sisters or your moms, whatever it is, he can handle it. But the more energy that we put into trying to handle it, the more the enemy just keeps us wrapped up and wrapped up and wrapped up in the opinions of other people. And he keeps us Like we are so bound up that we can never step out into all of who we're supposed to be. And y'all, I got to tell you, like, I am not a mom yet. I have, like my, my sister is an incredible mom. I have friends that are just like, I mean, first of all, momming is hard. That is some real, mm, that is some real stuff. Um, it is incredibly, incredibly challenging, but here's what I can say from, from the limited amount of time that I've been able to babysit, help out, be around moms. Like your kids need you to be you. They don't need you to be perfect or organic or granola hippie mom or never mess up, never not be there for anything. They need you to be a real person. They need you to be somebody who struggles and doesn't get it right, but is open with that and shows them how to overcome when you don't get it right. Perfection just sets people up for a terrible, terrible crash. And that is not, 
like life is so much about adaptability and being able to roll with the punches and to always come back to that anchor of like, I know who I am and I know what I believe in. And hopefully, you know, that includes a relationship with Jesus. So, um, all that to say, regardless of what kind of lady shame or mom shame or whatever you've got being thrown at you, here's what I want you to know. You can trust Jesus with their criticisms and you can let it go. You can release it to him. I know when people would be like, oh, you just need to let it go. Let it go. We talked about Elsa last week and to let it go. Shout out to Elsa and the movie Frozen. But letting something go just randomly, like releasing it, in my opinion, it never worked for me. Because I'm like, oh, it's just like, I'm a, it's going to all be okay. Like, I'm just supposed to say, oh, it's just all going to work out. They're going to they're gonna get theirs, you know. <laughs> that didn't work. It doesn't work for me. But what you can do is you can release your offenses and your hurts and your fears and your worries. And you can release those people that are critical to Jesus. Not just randomly release them. Release them to him. And the reason you can do that is because he's the only person that you can really trust to get it right. He's the only person you can really trust to hold them accountable, to work it out. And when we're able to release that to him, everything changes because we don't have to carry it anymore. We don't have to lug it around. He is a big enough God to handle the critical people, the judgmental people, the shame throwing people. He's, he's big enough God to handle all of that. And for me, he was a, he is a big enough God to handle the church ladies and y'all that'll preach. Okay. So the second thing that happened that was really just profoundly powerful in my life in terms of kind of breaking out of those chains of the heavy expectations and pressures of other people is that during my tormented mid twenties, that's totally what I would call them. Like, Oh my gosh, I did not know what I was doing. Um, a tiny little white haired, super godly woman named Lida Smith agreed to mentor me. I have a lot of amazing women in my life for which I am insanely grateful, but Lida Smith just very well may be the most incredible woman to walk this earth. First of all, she is the cutest, sweetest, most amiable little hip grandmother you have ever seen. She has this perfect, glossy, white hair and this cute little bob. She's the trendiest, most flattering glasses to compliment said perfect bob. And she makes enchiladas that can feed a part of you that you, A, you didn't know was hungry, but that you also thought could never be full. And in addition, her sweet voice calms your very soul with just a few words. I mean, with so much internal chaos raging inside of me, I decided that Lida was my lighthouse in the storm. She was going to be my holy grail for that damn gentle and quiet spirit that I had to have. And so I gathered up all of my courage and as a little bit of my crazy and begged her to mentor me, to take me under her wing and to teach me her ways. I had never seen Lida out of control. I had never seen her angry. I had never even seen or heard her say anything out of place. And I had known her for as long as I could remember. She's the director of women's ministry for my dad's church. Bonus points there, right? She does incredible work with church ladies, a Nobel Prize feat in and of itself. And from my perspective, Lida was first Peter three incarnate. 
She was all I thought that I was supposed to be. Sweet, genuine, kind-hearted, and quiet-mannered. You know, the things God and apparently men in the church house love. Now, if I'm honest, I was hoping that if I was just physically around her enough and sat close enough to her, that maybe some of her peacefulness and gentleness (laughs) would just rub off on me. I mean, I was like, if I can just be around her, maybe it's going to help me. But y'all, the funniest thing happened as we met weekly to talk and pray. This precious, soft-spoken, white-haired woman shocked me. She was not some churchy Stepford wife. Nope. Lida was a damn pistol. She had fire in her belly, the heart of a warrior, and she would not back down unless God himself told her to. And even then, she might fight with him about it. She was so fierce of spirit that it intimidated me at times. And y'all, I adored her. As we wrestled through my many issues, most often my excessive, quote, strength of spirit problems, (laughs) one day she looked calmly into my eyes and simply said the word meekness. I immediately recoiled and probably would have hissed out loud if I didn't think that someone there in the church offices might try to pin me down, anoint me with oil, and pray a demon out of me. It's funny because it's true, (laughs) y'all. I mean, all I could think was, here we go again. I have to abandon every natural thing about myself. I have to beat myself into that small, humiliating box to be gentle and quiet. Meekness. I hated that word. I mean, doesn't everybody hate that word? Meekness sounds like somebody who can't look another person in the eye. Someone who's beaten down, unworthy defeated, powerless. I mean, surely Lida didn't like that word either. But again, this tiny little white-haired woman challenged everything that I thought I knew. In her sweet, soft voice, but with all the authority of heaven, she said, sweet Abby, meekness isn't weakness or humiliation. Meekness is great strength under control. Great strength under control. This tiny little grandmother, Yoda, I call her the grandmother Yoda, broke down a wall in my soul prison with one sentence. And for the first time in my entire life, I saw light through the dungeon, my self-imposed prison of like, I have to change everything about myself. I'm never going to be right. I just, but I got to hide enough of it so that one day I can get married and have friends. But today I saw hope because I could hear the words great strength under control from Lida. Because she wasn't controlled by anyone or anything. She willingly and happily chose to submit herself to things if and only how she wanted to. She did not limit or crush anything in her, but she did control, direct, and harness the greatest strength of spirit in a woman I had ever seen. As if that wasn't impressive enough, she was literally the happiest, most powerful, and at-peace person I had ever been in a room with. She had to be right about this meekness thing. She had to be on to something. And with big eyes, I leaned in to learn more. What made Lida even more trustworthy and amazing to me was that I knew Lida had not led a perfect, charmed life. She had experienced heartache, betrayal, and humiliation at a level that would make any other sane person honestly just lay down and die, like curl up and die. She had known it all, 
and it hadn't destroyed her, jaded her, or made her quit. In fact, she pressed into life harder than ever before her world was torn apart. And y'all, straight up, she glowed. She glows now. Her skin literally glowed from how alive her spirit was, and I stood in awe. I stand in awe. When you see something like that, you know you are in the presence of greatness, of a miracle, and you should just take off your shoes because that is holy ground. That is ground that God himself has visited, and I wanted it more than anything I had ever wanted in my entire life. Power and peace cohabitating in the chest of a woman who radiated happiness. Sign me up, sis. Sign me up. Power and peace cohabitating in the chest of a woman who radiated happiness. The closer that I got to the real Jesus and who I knew him to be in my bones, you know, who I directly experienced him to be, the more the fact that my, quote, gentle and quiet spirit the teaching as it had been presented to me in my own experiences with God and who he celebrated me to be, the fact that those things didn't theologically line up really, really began to bother me. So eventually, I rolled up my sleeves and I dug in. I mean, I'm a preacher's daughter. And uh, I got out my giant leather-bound Hebrew-Greek keyword study Bible, and I beth the pants off of 1 Peter 3. The thing that was different is it wasn't because I was trying to change myself this time, but now I was sure of who Jesus really was. And I was also sure that there had to be something really important missing from the gentle and quiet spirit teaching as I had heard it. You know, that you were supposed to be sweet, soft, and never worked up. I've grown to never underestimate the power of perspective, the angle from which you view things, from you know, basically the way that you view the world. Everyone has a different one. And two people can look at the exact same thing from two different directions and legitimately see two completely different things. In fact, no two people can ever stand at exactly the same place at the same time, which means they will never see exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. So consider that the next time you feel frustrated. Your perspective is 100% unique, and it's supposed to be. But the way that we view the world has an unmatched effect on what we see, but also in what we look for in this life. And the most amazing thing is that our perspectives can and should be consistently growing and changing as we learn. So I grew up already thinking that God and everyone around me thought that I was way too much. And so when I heard the gentle and quiet spirit verse, it honestly already lined up with a story I had been hearing and repeating to myself my entire life. If I'm completely honest, it's what I saw and heard in that verse because it's what I was already looking for in that verse. Like it or not, I mean, we need our worlds to make sense, even if it's a miserable world. At least we think we understand it. But after encountering the real Jesus and women who were strong and at peace, like Miss Lida, I came back to 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, and heard these things instead. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses. First of all, let us say, praise Jesus and hallelujah for the word merely. Your adornment must not be merely external. I read this from the new perspective that Jesus loved and delighted in me and saw the word merely. 
First Peter is saying, don't let your beauty and all of your effort just be great hair, big gold jewelry, jewelry, and fun clothes. He's not saying you can't have them or love them, but he is saying what we all know to be true. You've got to be more than how you look, sis, and your efforts should reflect it. Yes, Lord. Give us more solid, substantial women and less Instagram-worthy, you know, picture-perfect women who... I mean, when we spend all of our energy on how we look, like that's, that's what we become. Let's be honest. Okay. Back to, back to what I'm saying. Then the big one, uh, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. All right. So what do gentle and quiet really mean? Not the way the church ladies taught it to me, but what do those words really mean? First of all, the word gentle is most usually and immediately compared to my new jam, meekness. Meekness. Because I had learned earlier from Lida that meekness is great strength under control, I didn't revolt. I smiled and actually took a deep breath. My Hebrew-Greek study aids, I told you all, Beth more the pants off this, firmly showed that the English translation of gentle to the word meek isn't wholly accurate as meekness suggests weakness in the English language. However, the Greek word used in this text described gentle as a condition of mind and heart which demonstrates gentleness not in weakness but in power. It is a virtue born in strength of character. Come on with it. Come on. Another phrase used to describe this idea of gentleness was grace of the soul. Grace of the soul. And perhaps one of my most favorites of all, the attitude of spirit in which we accept God's dealings with us as good and do not dispute or resist. Y'all. Not only did God love me, not only did he delight in me, his heart was to transform my conflict and misery into peace with myself. Not by being someone else, but by coming to peace with all that was within me. You cannot be at peace and at the same time trying to annihilate and change everything at the same time. So a big part of that peace, of finding that peace, was accepting that what he had made was good. As it was just stated above, that God's dealings with me and you are good, and we're not to dispute or resist them. We're not to despise them. We are to trust him, even when it looks like we don't fit anywhere. It was like my spiritual self could breathe again reading those words. To top it all off, my studies on the word quiet revealed this wasn't about volume level. Hallelujah, because I'm loud, I know. But about peace, being undisturbed, like an undisturbed pond, clear, still, and at rest. <sighs> power at peace, not power driving me crazy, not power causing conflict in all of my relationships, power at peace, rest in my soul, no longer striving to earn God's love or attention or approval or people's for that matter, rest no longer trying to live and make myself small. Instead, embracing power and directing it to do great things, to love fearlessly and to forge my own path. 
You can rest and let everyone else have their opinions, interpretations, and freakouts because once again, their response to your life is not your responsibility. That's between them and the Lord. Our responsibility is to live like we are a child. We are a daughter of the king, called beyond all that we can see or understand, and to step into all he has called us to be. In my opinion, the more unconventional, rebellious, and misunderstood, the better. Why? Well, because Jesus himself came and literally turned the religious world upside down. He offended just about every high-ranking religious official by refusing to be owned by their system and having eyes and a heart that only obeyed his father. He challenged everything they thought they knew. He was not called he has not called us, me and you. He's not called us to walk mildly along in the crowd. Don't miss his calling on your life, sis, just because you think it sounds too crazy or your family will hate it or your mom's group just cannot understand. Y'all, when I was fighting through all of this, I had no idea that God would literally shut doors in the Christian music world and usher me into the world of contemporary secular music. He would dare me to just be a person who loved Jesus and felt his pleasure when I sang especially in non-church environments. This no way to earn approval of men by being a worship leader or spiritual teacher. He asked me to just be me. And he said that was more than enough to him. I cannot begin to express to you the joy, the freedom in my heart in this new place of life. What I fought so hard to change in my spirit, temperament, and personality is exactly what he alone knew I needed to do what he would call me to do, to chase down a big dream in the middle of the world, believe all odds, when all, <laughs> believe when all odds were against me, and show up in big ways to live and to be able to love people right where they are, not trying to change or convert them so that I would feel approved as a Christian. It's as unconventional as I ever could have imagined, and yet there's no doubt that this is where he's called me. You know what? Not everybody understands it, and not everybody has to. About six years ago, I was just barely stepping out into um, the non-Christian music world. Um, It was called secular music in my house. That may not be, (laughs) you may just think of it as music, but in in my house, it was called secular music growing up. Um, And I was invited to compete in the Recording Conservatory of Austin's singer-songwriter competition. I made it through to the finals, and in order to perform uh, in the finals for the competition, I was going to have to sing my original songs at a bar in Austin called the Mohawk. For the most part, this uh, was my first ever show performance not in a church setting, and it was definitely my first show ever in a bar. I was so nervous that I just, I mean, I just shook because here's the thing. When you sing at church, like even if you're bad, people are like, oh, but it was just so blessed. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really not trying to make fun, but seriously, y'all, I mean, people are like, it was just, you know, it was anointed. It was blessed. Like we throw around those words and sometimes we use them as sugarcoating things. And as far as I knew, people didn't go around critiquing your performances and making it okay with like, 
I was a little pitchy, but it was really blessed. Um, have still to this day never experienced that in a bar, so I had good reason to be nervous. In addition, this is one of the first shows that my husband, Ryan, had ever played guitar for me. So, like, every dynamic was at play. We had, like, marriage, being worried about embarrassing your family, having to sing your own original music, which is incredibly vulnerable, because if they don't like, you know, your song, they start shouting, like, play Freebird, or... (laughs) or fancy, or, you know, whatever it is. But here is what I want you to know. This is how the Lord showed up for me in, like, one of the most vulnerable places of my heart, and definitely of my life. I mean, I had just started to dare and step out and and learn to begin to trust Him with the criticisms and the judgments of others, including my own friends and family. I was most afraid of embarrassing my dad. Um, This was a very public thing. Like, Abby was playing at a bar. Like, she's not doing outreach at the bar. She's she's just playing her her non-worship songs uh, at a bar. And I was really nervous because in some circles, like he could get in trouble with other people. Like other people get after him. Like, you know, what's going on? Your daughter's singing and playing in bars. She went from the church to the bars. Isn't that supposed to be the other way around? Y'all, I'm really, I don't have to dig deep. Like these are things I've absolutely heard before. But he is, I was really worried. I was worried about the kickback my family would get. And I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. But I also knew that, like I've said before, everybody wasn't getting it. Like they didn't understand. And I knew that they didn't have to. But I mean, you don't want to embarrass your dad, you know? Well, as I'm as I'm getting ready, we're setting up, you know, in the bar and it's filled with smoke and like 15 people, you know, cause, cause that's how it goes. Um, the Lord literally, this is one of the ways that I have been most profoundly and directly deeply loved by him and loved by him through another person. Um, guys, I was so scared and you'll never guess who showed up at the Mohawk Bar in Austin, Texas, late on a Sunday night after a full day of preaching, two services, my dad drove through downtown Austin traffic to someplace he did not know. He found parking. And if you know my dad, like all of this just totally stresses him out. The new place. He paid a cover fee at the door and he walked in and he just made friends with the 300-pound bouncer for the bar named Tiny. The person I was most afraid to disappoint. The person I was just mortified that I would embarrass on this new path, this very misunderstood place. The person I didn't even ask to come because I never thought that he would be comfortable to come. That is who came to that first show. I always cry when I tell this story, I'm sorry. He came because he wanted to come. And I will never, ever, ever forget looking back through that smoky bar and seeing my dad. There he was in the middle of the bar in downtown Austin with all the hipsters and the purple hair and the piercings. There he is dressed like Longmire, 
the cowboy t- starch shirt, the blue jeans, the nice cowboy boots, just smiling at me through the crowd and loving me as I dared to sing my heart out in a bar. In a bar. I mean, it just, it wrecked me. I mean, I'm on stage, scared to death to sing my songs, and I'm looking back through the smoke and all of these people that I'm trying to prove that I'm a real artist to and all this kind of stuff, and there's my dad just smiling at me and loving me in the middle of a bar when our whole lives and so much of our interactions had taken place in a church house. And I just got like... (laughs) I have to tell you this, don't you dare underestimate for one minute the power and fierceness of your heavenly father's love for you, especially in the places where he calls us out from what we've known and what's been expected of us. I mean, when we are willing to step out, regardless of what kind of kickback we may find or even be afraid of, he meets us there. Y'all, this may be super wildly unpopular, but following Jesus doesn't just mean you go on a mission trip or get called into the ministry. Knowing and loving and following Jesus, for me, looks like stepping onto a stage at the Rustic here in a couple of weeks and singing my heart out because I feel his pleasure when I sing, no matter where I sing. If I'm really honest, I feel his pleasure when I sing oftentimes more in the super unconventional places like the rodeo or a honky tonk or the Mohawk bar in Austin, America. In that place, because I'm being obedient to him, his glory shines. It can't be contained to just church settings or ministry settings. And you know what? Everybody doesn't have to understand it, but I absolutely love it. Because it's what he made me to do. Y'all, if we submit our lives to the opinions, expectations, and interpretations of other people, this is the thing. We will lead small, fearful lives that in no way reflect the glory and the bigness of the God who made us. The God who crafted every single part of us, our talents, our skills, our inclinations, our joys, and our personalities. But if we dare to bring every boulder of expectation, opinion, pressure, every seed spoken into our hearts and minds to Jesus, and we abandon them to him, refusing to pick them up again, and instead lock eyes with the one who delights in every part of our souls... You know, the one who knows that when you and I hear the type of music we love or see that type of art or hear our kids laughter or stand back to look at our hard work and our heart just swells with joy in life, we know that his heart swells too. His heart swells with ours because when we love what we love, it, it, it is a direct reflection of our creator. We are the creation and we are most connected, in my opinion, to our creator when we are being fully all of who he made us to be. Today, we have an opportunity to lay down our burdens, the expectations, the pressures, the opinions, the talking heads in our lives. These these things that are just sucking all of the oxygen 
out of the room for us and we're struggling like not just to live and be all that we can be but to just to just live we're not even killing it we're just we're just trying to make it through here's the thing we can lay those things down because they're not Jesus and you know what he is more than big enough to handle all of them man Today, I just hope that we can make this decision to submit to them no more. That we'll choose instead to lock eyes with the one who knows and stirs our souls and we'll trust that he will meet us on the water as we are willing to step out of that boat. I'm so grateful and so honored that you would hang out with me for the second part of the Gentle and Quiet Spirit episode. And I'm it just... I'll never be able to communicate to you how much it means to me that, um, you know, you'd listen in. This is totally an act of obedience for me. Um, and so I'm just sharing, you know, a little bit of my story, but man, I, he's done so much and I just feel like there's, there's just such freedom. There's freedom from people pleasing. There's freedom from being run by being worried about what people are going to say. Sis, they're going to talk anyway. You might as well Make it worth their while and just love your life. You know what I'm saying? So I hope that you enjoyed today. I would love to hear more from you. I would love to hear um, specifically maybe some of the places where you experience pressure or expectation or you know some of those tough relationships. If you want to share them, I totally want to hear about it. Um, and we are going to add in that Dear Abby uh, segment. I want to answer some questions from you guys. Um, this week's episode just got a little long, so we'll come back to it next week. But as always, thank you so much for joining me for Confessions of a High Strung Woman. I'm Abby Walker, and I will talk to you next week.
trying to rescue